Psalm 1, Psalm 1, and we share a message just entitled Happiness. That's why I thought we should sing some courses that are about happiness. Amen. <laughs> some people look at life a little bit different than others. Amen. <laughs> so, uh, Psalm 1, Psalm 1, uh, while you're opening there, just remember Sunday night is our annual church meeting, and so if you're a member of the church, you need to be here for that meeting so we can... Uh, uh, take care of the issues we need to vote on. Uh, we were going to have our annual report for you tonight, but we are, uh, got uh, some uh, pro had some problems getting all the budget and all that together. So uh, we'll have everything ready for you first thing uh, uh, Sunday morning, so you can take time to read over it. Hopefully, you've been praying uh, for the issues that need to be voted on. We already had given out a, a, a roster of things to be voted on. So make sure you keep praying. God will give you peace about what how, and how you should vote on uh, these major issues to be able to keep our ministry moving ahead. Amen. So happiness, Psalm 1 in verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the way of the sinners, nor, uh, I'm sorry, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in, in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Uh, the ungodly are not so, but are like the shaft uh, which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. So happiness, uh, verse 1 is actually our text verse, going to build a lesson off of. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Uh, it's happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. And everybody seems to be striving to and pursuing a life that is enjoyable. I don't think uh, anybody gets up in the morning and says, boy, I hope I have a terrible day today. Uh, we get up in the morning and we hope that we have a good day. We want to be able to experience positive things. We want to be able to enjoy our life. And, uh, and all the different distractions that are in the world, especially in the last few years, just everything just seems like um, you start to move ahead. You think you're enjoying life, and then it seems like everything starts falling apart, and you just, it's a struggle. So, but we can learn how to be happy. We can learn how to be successful and prosperous as we look in Psalm 1. And uh, many people base their happiness on, uh, in your introductory notes there, some of them on money. And so if they don't have a lot of money, they're not happy. Or if they do have a lot of money, they're not happy because they want more money. And, uh, you know, the love of money is the root of all evils. And uh, certainly, if we're not careful, we'll lose our joy and satisfaction in life if all we're doing is just trying to get money. If all we're going to do is just try to get an education, prepare for life, and get a job, and get money, and do more things to get money, and do more things to get money, you're not going to be very happy. And, uh, you know, I, I know what it is to live without any money, 
where you have to pray and believe God for everything that you, you need. I know what it is to be able to be blessed and be able to have uh, money and feel comfortable and secure with that money. Uh, but I know this, it's not the money that gives you joy. Uh, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that gives us happiness and, and, and gratitude in our life. And so don't live pursuing money, just getting after money. I remember I first, before I was saved, I was driving tractor and trailer. I mean, that's all I had in my head. I got to get one more load so I can make that money. I got to make that money. And, uh, and as a result of it, I was breaking the law and everything else, driving over what I was allowed to drive and, and all these different things. And why? Just for one thing, to get money. So what good is it if it kills you, if it, it ruins your life, if you're just not uh, experiencing joy in your life? What's the sense in just living just to get more money? And so some people think uh, happiness will come by getting money. Some people believe that you can have happiness if you're successful. And that success may be on your job or maybe success in your hobbies or your sports that you enjoy or whatever it may be. But the problem with trying to find happiness and success is what determines what success is. Because your idea of success and my idea of success may be two different things. And the world is always painting a picture based on success that is ever-changing. They keep changing the goalposts. Uh, when you think you're making it, you think you're becoming successful, well, all of a sudden now all the rules change. And so you lose that opportunity to get, gain that satisfaction and gain that emotional experience of just being happy. Uh, because you look at yourself as a failure. You know, the real reality is that people who are successful in their life, based on their concept of what success is, fail in multitudes of things before they ever become successful in things. And oftentimes what we do is we'll lose our joy and happiness because we'll fail in some area of our life. Or we may be striving to be a good business person or whatever it may be. And in ministry, people strive to be in ministry and they may not be very successful in what they can perceive success as being. But in really reality, they are successful. And so we, we can't allow money and success to be the determining factors for us to be happy. And uh, the Christian needs to be happy because we're in Christ. And so success. There's those that try to find happiness based on recognition. Uh, they've got to be lauded for their achievements. Uh, they got to have people constantly affirming to them that they're successful. And the problem was that as soon as somebody forgets to acknowledge you, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden you're not happy anymore. And uh, it just, it's always interesting, you know, being a pastor is interesting. You know, first of all, pastors are weird people. They really are, the way we think about things sometimes. Uh, but it's interesting as a pastor just to see how people respond when you recognize somebody 
for faithful service or ministry in church, and you don't recognize them. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a very interesting. I feel like writing a book sometimes on people's responses, amen. And, uh, but what's the problem? We're trying to find happiness based on someone else's recognition of who we are or what we've accomplished in life. The problem is you're not always going to get that affirmation. And so then you're going to be upset because nobody acknowledged you, and then, then you'll lose the joy of the Lord in your heart. And so many people are basing the whole foundation and concept of what it means to be happy on things that are variable, things that are always changing. And if they're always changing, then it's always going to affect you in a way uh, where you're going to lose the joy of the Lord. Uh, I like what the Apostle Paul said. He, he was a happy Christian. And uh, I, I just always get tickled. When I was putting this thing together, I, the first thing that came to my mind about the Apostle Paul was being before King Agrippa. Just because of what he says, he says, I think myself happy. <laughs> every time I, th I, get, I get a chuckle out of that every time I... You understand that he's on his way to Rome as a prisoner. And his response to King Agrippa is, I think myself happy. It might be well for us every once in a while, just look in the mirror and say, I think myself happy. Amen. You say, you're weird. Well, you'll get a chuckle out of it when you do it. Amen. The Apostle Paul had the burden of the churches on him. He writes in Corinthians about the burden of the churches upon him. But yet he was happy in the Lord. The Apostle Paul was beaten and rejected and uh, literally left for dead, but he still had the joy of the Lord. Uh, we, you could look at that and say, boy, he wasn't very successful. Uh, man, I'll tell you, he went preaching Christ and they, they didn't recognize him. They rec the only way they recognized him was that they beat him and, and left him for dead. But he was still happy. He was placed in prison. But at, at the midnight hour, he could sing praises unto God. Why? Because he found out what true happiness is. And it's, it's not money, and it's not success, and it's not recognition. It's a relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Christianity today, uh, Christians today, try to find their happiness in the world. Uh, but the reality is, it says, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And the word blessed there just simply means to have extreme happiness. Uh, the courses that we sang tonight, as I was uh, uh, putting my message on the computer, I'm always thinking, okay, what can we sing tonight? And those courses came to my mind because they're up-tempo, uh, they're light-hearted, uh, they're talking about joy and happiness, and it's all found in reference to who Jesus Christ is. So a blessed man, the man who is extremely happy, is the one who has his life completely surrendered towards the Lord Jesus Christ. And so happiness, I want to be happy, and I'm not always happy. I get grumpy once in a while. I think maybe once a year I might get grumpy. I think, what do you think, Joanne? <laughs> she's not she's just laughing she's not going to acknowledge it amen but though uh, we get grumpy all of us get grumpy at different times but we don't have to be sour uh, we don't have to be dissatisfied with life 
Uh, we can find joy in our relationship with Jesus Christ and we can be happy irregardless of what we have or what we don't have. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if that's the case, then my relationship with him doesn't have to change. I can just grow in that relationship and enjoy the presence of Christ in my life. So let's think about this as we go through a few of these verses. And uh, notice, first of all, how can you be happy? How can you be blessed? Uh, number one, in verse one, it just says this, do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So walking in the counsel of the ungodly, I thought, well, okay, what would that be speaking about? Certainly, if you're walking, you're going in a particular direction. And so we want to be happy. We don't want to follow the direction that the world is leading. We want to follow the direction that God wants to lead us. And so we don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. First of all, letter A there, we need a positive influence of sound counsel. Now we're going to look at a few verses here. Proverbs, I was going to put them in the lesson. I thought it would be good for us to look them up. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14 uh, tells us where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So we're going to just follow blindly what the world is doing, what they're saying, how they're reacting to the situations in life. Uh, then we're, we're walking without the counsel of God and we're going to stumble and we're going to fall. But in the multitude of counselors, in other words, those who are walking with God, those who are fellowshipping with Christ, uh, the more, I, I think of this, the more positive influence we have in our life, the happier we're going to be. Uh, because if you're around people that are just constantly negative, and downtrodden, it's going to drag you down. And so you, you need to be around people who are positive about their relationship with Christ and get some influence and some instruction from them. Proverbs 24 and verse 6 says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So whether you're finding direction for your life, whether you're dealing with conflicts in your life, uh, whatever it may be, you can still be happy and blessed of God if you're not walking in the counsel of the ungodly, but rather you're finding that positive influence in your life. And uh, certainly you, you just need to have uh, people in your life that are positive. I know as a pastor, many times I'll get in the church, when I come in the church to preach, sometimes there's been troubles and problems that people are going through and the church will go through things. I'll tell you, sometimes you come in and you just feel this sense of downtroddenness. You just feel this sense that, man, something is bothering people. And boy, and then I got to get up here and preach and try to be happy and, and positive. And I, I tell you, it drags me down sometimes. And I, I'm like, well, Lord, you gotta, you got to be my strength today and get me through this. And uh, I find this, that when that happens, God will point you to people who are positive, people who are excited about Christ, people who can give you a challenge to live for the Lord, and you can continue to walk and live your life in a happy manner. So positive influence 
of, a, of a sound counsel in your life will help you to be happy. Uh, here's the problem, though. The negative effect of ungodly counsel. He says, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why? Because when we walk with the godly, there's a positive influence. When we walk with the ungodly, there's a negative influence. I think it was last Sunday, I don't know when it was, I was preaching and I was saying something about the students. If you have a kid in the, in the school that has a bad attitude, it doesn't take long and you got a whole group of kids that have a bad attitude. Or you get one parent that's upset about whatever it is going on. And boy, I'll tell you what, it doesn't take long for them to have their parking lot meeting and uh, then everybody's got a sour spirit about it. But it works in the church, too. Uh, all you need is just one or two people that have a sour, negative spirit, and it affects others. And the joy and the happiness of what Christ is doing in our life, our ministry, all of a sudden is gone. And so I want to be happy. And if I'm going to be happy, then I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly because somebody's helping to direct my life. And I want a positive influence that directs me to walk with Christ and enjoy my life as a Christian. But I, I don't want to follow someone that is constantly negative. These are two challenges. What's the problem? First of all, the negative or the ungodly counsel that comes uh, is coming from people that are uh, at enmity with God. In other words, they're at odds with God. It was at Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 15. And the Bible has much to say. Those that are turning to Christ and those that are walking and living with Christ and those that are turning against Christ. In Proverbs chapter 15 in verse 8, says the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. So two aspects. You know, Proverbs is a great book to study because it's always presenting contrast. And the contrast that we see is literally the, the, the wicked, the ungodly, God is not pleased with their sacrifices but he is pleased with the prayers of the upright. And so I want to live in that realm that I'm living where I am acknowledging God's pleasure with me because I'm not following the negative aspect of the ungodly. And then in verse 9, it says, The way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, but he loveth him that followeth after righteousness. And so over and over again, whether it's James 4.4 4 or Proverbs 15.26, it's dealing with this whole concept. There is a choice that has to be made in your life. If you want to be happy, then you're not going to walk in the counsel of the ungodly because the ungodly is going to throw a negative tone on top of you that's going to rob you of the joy of the Lord. And so we have to be careful about that. Uh, they are at enmity with God. But also, number two there in your notes, they are under the power of Satan. And we need to be careful not to forget that. Because we have a tendency, we don't want to be negative ourselves, so we don't want to say that the unsaved is under the power of Satan. But the reality is, Paul said, if our gospel will be hid, it's hid to them which are blinded by the God of this world. 
lest the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. And, and so they are under the power of Satan. Satan is the God of this world. And people are looking and they're confused and people are losing their joy as Christians because they're seeing this world and saying, oh, all this politics and impeachments and all these different things that are going on and taxes and debt and everything. Don't get your direction from the ungodly. The word of God predicts that these things are going to come to pass. Jesus said, when you see these things, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. He didn't say get sad. He didn't say become dissatisfied. He said, no, rejoice. Why? Because the coming of the king is approaching us very quickly. And so uh, we have to be careful. Either I'm going to follow that positive influence of sound counsel that comes from the godly person, or I'm going to follow that negative advice that I get from the ungodly that all it does is rob me of the joy of the Lord and puts me, drags me, under the power and influence of Satan himself. Realize that somebody who's under the power and influence of Satan, all they can offer you is the power and influence of Satan. They can't offer you the joy of the Lord. They can't offer you victory in Christ. And so watch out. You do not walk in the counsel of the ungodly because they are at enmity with God. They are under the power of Satan. And here's the problem. They are vainly seeking happiness themselves. So why would you want to follow somebody that is trying to find happiness but can't find it for themselves? In Psalm 4 and verse 2, it says, And ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? And how long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah, and what are you saying? A man is just constantly trying to find satisfaction and hope and peace and joy in this world, but without Christ, they'll never find it. And so here, here's the problem. I've seen this over the years with counseling. Somebody will be having marital problems or whatever, problems with their kids, and what do they do? They go to work and they talk to the unsaved people they work with. It happens all the time. And, 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 and then they'll come to me, after everything now is completely destroyed, and then will come to see me and want counsel from me, put it together, fix it. How am I going to fix it? You've been listening to the counsel of the ungodly. How can I fix it where you can have joy and happiness again in the Lord because you allowed the counsel of the ungodly who are vainly trying to find happiness... And you're following their empty pursuit of happiness. So now you're sad and now you're disconnected. Now you're disillusioned. How do you expect me to put it back together? The worst thing you can do, the worst thing you can do is to go talk to somebody who is not a Christian about problems and difficulties that you're having in your life as a Christian. They do not have the answers, and they do not have joy, and they're trying to find out what joy is. You know it. 
but you go to listen to them. So the blessed man, the happy man, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, letter C there in your notes. Don't get your direction from the in, unsaved or from the backslidden Christian. I just preached on backsliding on Sunday. I don't want to belabor this, but in Proverbs uh, chapter uh, 3 and verse 6, uh, don't f go to them for direction in your life. Uh, chapter, oh, might be nice. I'm in chapter 6, verse 3. I'm a little dyslexic here tonight, amen. Chapter 3 and verse 6 of Proverbs says, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. So don't acknowledge the unsaved or someone who is moving away from Christ, someone who is backslidden. Don't trust them that, that they can help you uh, get happiness and joy and comfort in your relationship with Christ when they're running away from Christ. How, how can somebody help you experience something that they do not have themselves? And so if you want to be blessed, you want to be happy, uh, then you need to be a man or woman that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. And I often say, parents always get upset with me, but I often say that when, I think the Bible pretty sharp, amen? Uh, well, <laughs> I, when a young man and a young woman get married, I think they need to move away from mom and dad. And I mean by miles and hundreds of miles. <laughs> because they have all kinds of problems because my family always does this and your family always does that. And mom and dad always want it their way because that's the way their family always did it. And now there's all kinds of problems in the family when the Bible says when a man takes a wife, he's to be with her for one year. It's a pretty good concept. Get to know one another, enjoy life together, get away from the negative influences in their life. You know, they can be happy here. This is what happens with a young couple, they get married, they have their first fight, which is they one wanted to go get ice cream and the other wanted to get pizza. It's a major event and tragedy in their life. They have their major fight and then they go home, he complains to his parents, she complains to her parents, then they come back together and they're all excited and lovey-dovey and, oh, I'm sorry I missed you, I didn't mean to yell at you. But mom and dad's still hot. Mom and dad hasn't forgiven anything because that's my little girl he's taking advantage of. And that's my son. I can't believe she's not being the proper Christian lady and submitting to her husband, my son. And every, listen, at that moment, everybody's not happy. What was the problem? They got their direction from somebody that should not have been giving them direction. The young couple needs to get alone with God and figure it out. Amen. I know this, that God has the answers for every conflict. And as a couple, a young couple, they need to get alone with God and find out the answers. Well, we old folks need to also. Amen. We have our problems and our issues. And uh, we need to stop following the direction of other people who think they have happiness 
but they don't know what happiness is, and they're robbing you of your happiness. The blessed person, the happy person, is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I like what Oswald Chambers said. He says, never run before God's guidance. If there is the slightest doubt, then he is not guiding. Whenever there is doubt, no. Now, I always get tickled. There's this marriage counseling that is offered by people to people who seem to be unhappy, and it has nothing to do with the principles that are in the Word of God, and they actually think they're going to be able to be happy by following that counsel. It doesn't work. The Bible is what works. And so watch out who you get the counsel with. All right, so the blessed and happy man is the one that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Or, it says, nor standeth in the way of sinners. And so as the first part deals with direction in your life, the second part deals with association. And that association is based on the fact that we're supposed to be separated, nor sitteth in the way of the sinner. In other words, we are not to be a part of their life and who they are and what they are. And so the danger, though, and you, uh, you have Second Corinthians 6 and all that. We know those passages, me not unequally yoked with unbelievers and all that. Uh, it's always amazing that somebody will start dating an unsaved person and they'll come to me about it and I'll say, you should not be dating that person. Yeah, but you don't know. I just love him. And uh, I know the Lord can save him, uh, but he won't go to church. He won't talk about things of God. They won't do anything else. But you, but you think you're going to be happy because you've got this pie-in-the-sky type emotional experience that you love him. No, you're supposed to separate for someone like that. Separation, not isolation. And that is a problem because what we have a tendency to do is to isolate ourselves from the world because we're afraid that the world is going to corrupt us. Uh, but the Bible doesn't tell us not to witness and not to be a testimony and not to testify to people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not to isolate ourselves from people. And uh, the Bible doesn't tell us, you know, the world is wicked, so go up on the top of a mountain somewhere and build a cabin that's 500 square feet and uh, sit out there in the woods and hum and you'll be all right. Get away from the sinners. It doesn't tell us that. We're supposed to go into the world and win the world to Christ. We're not supposed to isolate ourselves from the world. So how do we... Uh, separate from the world and yet not and not isolate ourselves from the world we walk not in the counsel of the ungodly but we're there to give them counsel but here's the problems there's always two extremes with christians and they lose their joy they lose their happiness because first of all by yoking up with the unsaved and there is always a problem. I would not go into business as a business partner with somebody who is unsaved. Certainly, there is no way that you would I even consider uh, dating somebody. Of course, I was unsaved when Joanne and I started dating. We were, we were not unequally yoked. We were both lost. 
and we were in we were in major trouble. But then we both got saved, and uh, and we have we have to as Christians acknowledge the fact that God does not want us to be yoking up with unbelievers. Track the history of Israel. You'll find that every time they got themselves messed up, it's because they yoked up with the unbelievers that were in the land. And as soon as they yoked up with the unbelievers that were in the land, they turned against their God. And, and so God's warning to Israel was constantly, don't yoke up with the heathen that are in the land because they'll turn you against me. I don't understand. I don't understand the the concept that saved people will yoke up with unsaved people, but the unsaved person won't give up on what he believes. But he expects you to give up on what you believe. This whole thing with the censorship and everything else that's going on in the world that we're living in it's it's one group of people say oh you need to have free speech but that free speech is involved with you speaking what i want you to speak and so the christian is not to be yoked up because it'll rob you of the joy and happiness in christ but here's the other problem the ignoring ignoring the unsaved and if you ignore the unsaved, you're not going to be happy at that either. Because God has called us to be a witness and a testimony. And so real joy, I'll tell you the greatest joy that you have as a Christian, I think, is when you lead someone else to Christ. You see the joy that comes on their face. You see the fact that they're happy that they're not going to hell. I mean, what a powerful experience to have. And so we're not to be yoking up, but we're, we're not to ignore them either. So there is a balance here on how we approach that. We don't stand in the way of sinners. We don't associate with who they are, what they are, how they live, what they do, because they do not understand what real happiness is. And if they don't know what real happiness is, they're not going to enhance my happiness. So I want to be around believers in Christ. Well, number three there, we need to move on. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And um, uh, is sitting in the seat of the scornful, I believe, would deal with evaluation. And uh, the terms that are defined here, sitteth, means to take the place, to inhabit. In other words, you're settled in with them on how they think, how they act, how they the, the things they go, do, the places they go, uh, the thought processes they have. So if I want to be happy, the blessed man's not going to sit down and be a part of all that the unsaved is. So I, there's an evaluation there. Are they overrunning me or were they overcoming me? Uh, scornful simply means a mocker. Or someone who talks arrogantly. And so how can you be happy in the Lord when someone is mocking your Savior? Uh, you know, how can you be happy in Christ when someone is arrogant towards your faith in Christ? And that all takes place. Uh, and so you have to evaluate that relationship that you have because the relationship that you have with the unsaved 
may be the course or the source, I should say, of robbing you of the happiness you should have as a Christian. It's not a matter of being unloving. It's not a matter of being unkind, but I want to be happy in life. And my happiness is the joy of the Lord. And so I don't want anybody tampering with that. I don't want anybody drawing that away from me. And so I'm going to be careful. I'm not going to uh, 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 sit down and be a part of uh, everything that the unsaved and the mocker does. Uh, there's those that minister questions. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 2, you can read those verses later. Uh, it's a matter of, of being careful of those who are always questioning everything about God. They're always questioning about your faith in Christ, always questioning about your life. I'm not, I don't know about you. There's no joy in my life when I am with somebody who just constantly calls into question everything that I believe and everything and how I live. When you have to live on the defense all the time, I'll tell you, happiness leaves you very quickly. And I've been around people like that. And I just know this, I'm not going to settle in and connect with people like that. I'm going to be a witness and a testimony to them to try to lead them to Christ. But I am not going to allow them to rob me of the joy of the Lord. And so... Uh, you need to stick to uh, those in Dr. Vanneman. Old Dr. Vanneman was an old preacher years ago. He started a church up in Michigan. His mother was a member of my home church. And she was 80 years old and was riding on the back of a motorcycle with her grandsons. And, and uh, yeah, she was a pistol, I'll tell you. And uh, she, she had diabetes real bad, and she had lost her one of her legs. And my wife and I came home from Bible college. We went to see her, and I was thinking... What can I do to be an encouragement to this woman? I don't know what to say to her. And she lost her leg and everything. So I go into the room, and as I walk in the room, Mrs. her name was Mrs. Bacon, I remember. And she, as I walked in the room, she flipped the covers back and said, Hey, Mike, have you seen Lefty have you? And I was like, Oh, my goodness gracious. I said, Mrs. Bacon, man, you need to behave yourself. She told me this. She said, I knew I was going to heaven, but I didn't know I was going one piece at a time. <laughs> that, that woman knew how to be happy in the Lord. Her son, when he was a young man, graduated from uh, Bob Jones University. He came home to Salem, and he preached in the Methodist church in Salem. And when he got done preaching, they ran him out of town. They told him, don't you ever come back here and preach like that in this church. We don't want, you around. We don't want that kind of preaching around here. He started a great church up in Michigan. Now, what a godly man. He had a crooked finger. Whenever you preach, he would say, I'll tell you, boy. And I'm like, is he pointing at me? Or is he pointing at the person over there? He was an interesting guy. His mother was an interesting woman. She raised all of her kids. Well, how many kids did she have? Seven kids. Eleven. Eleven kids. Her husband died when her children were young. And uh, uh, she raised her 11 children, and she ended up marrying this man, Mr. Bacon. Uh, she, and uh, she always said, I never loved him, but he was a good husband and a good father to my children. 
And God blessed me to raise in my children. I'll tell you what, what a testimony. People say the principles of God doesn't work. There's a woman, if somebody wanted to have a bad spirit, a bad attitude, that was a woman could have one. And in the minds of man, feel justified in having it. But no, I'll tell you what, you never saw a sour spirit in her. What a love she had for Christ. Well, I didn't mean to say all that, but her son, Dr. Paul Vanneman, said this, that what we need to do is look for and seek for and stick with those, number one, who love God. Psalm 18.1 says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. If you have more unsaved friends and associates than you have saved, uh, I would say this, you're in trouble. You're going to have problems trying to maintain your happiness in Christ. He said, not only love those, look, stick to those who love God, but those who love the Bible. And Psalm 119, 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Delight in the word of God. The word of God ought to be precious to you. And then he said, not only love those that love God and love the Bible, but those that love people. In Leviticus 19 and 18, it says, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And so the uh, person who is happy, the person who is blessed, does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Well, quickly, let's do this last point. Uh, it also states here that blessed man, a happy man, is, is one who delights in the law of the Lord. And I just put exaltation. And he delights in the law of the Lord. Why? Because it gives you stability. In verse 3, it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You know, it's interesting. You plant a tree, and it doesn't take much to pull that tree over. You plant that thing, and it's just sitting there, the ball of dirt's on the, on the roots, and you put it in there. You can walk over and grab it and pull it right over. But you let that thing grow for a while. And you let those roots start digging in. Then you come and try to pull it over. You can't pull it over. Why? Because it's stable. And that's what our life is supposed to be in Christ. We all be happy in Christ when we're stable. We're settled in the Lord. And so he's like a tree that's planted. Not only is there stability, but there's also productivity. In verse 3, it says, That bringeth forth his fruit in a season. And uh, God will bless us, and he will give us fruit. You say, well, I'm not being very fruitful right now. Well, just be happy in the Lord. Be settled in Christ. Uh, establish that ability to be stable in your faith, in your walk with God, and you'll become the blessed person who starts producing in his life. Productivity. And then I see vitality. It says, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. And so vitality, it deals with the endurance, uh, the leaf not withering. Uh, just knowing this, the deeper, the more stable, the more productive you become, uh, you literally become more and more secure to be able to endure the storms in life to where you can still be happy when the wind is blowing because the foundation is sure. Vitality. And then, of course, the last part of verse 3, uh, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So prosperity. 
And uh, let God be the one who defines the terms of prosperity. See, if you go to God and you trust in the Lord, you rest in him, then he'll confirm into your heart what is prosperous. You go to the ungodly, their determination is completely different of what their perception of prosperity is. And uh, God may want to give you great financial success. He may not. But it is not money that determines prosperity. Uh, Some of the most uh, powerful people, some of the most influential people uh, have been people who have not had great financial wealth or recognition in this world, but they just were happy in Christ. And so here's a few quotes to end out here. Hudson Taylor said this, God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. If that's true, then just just be happy in the Lord. Might as well, you might as well rejoice. Uh, you say, I don't like what's going on. I mean, they, I mean, they just voted. They were impeached President Trump again. I mean, was the world coming to? Uh, listen, God will take care of us just like he has taken care of us before. You say, well, the financial markets are up and down and things are going to fall apart. People are predicting recessions and all that. My God can supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. So I don't need to be sad and defeated by what's going on in the world because my happiness comes from Christ. D.L. Moody said this, if God is your partner, make your plans big. <laughs> I like that. I remember years ago, we started the Christian school and everything. I remember my mom and dad, I can't believe it was, I don't know if it was my dad or my mom. One of them said something, oh, Michael, you always want to do everything big. And I was like, I was like yeah, because we put that gym up and everything. They said, you always want to do everything big. And I, I didn't say it because I wouldn't be disrespectful to my parents, but I felt like saying, I got a big God. If he's a big God, then he can do big things, amen? Why settle for some little puny thing? If God wants to give you some big thing, if all he wants to give you is some little puny thing, little is much when the Lord is in it. But if you have faith to believe that God can do even greater things, then praise God and let him do the big things. Well, Charles Stanley said this, your potential is the sum of all the possibilities God has for your life. (laughs) I like that. Then Franklin Graham said this, there is not a single thing that Jesus cannot change, control, and conquer because he is the living Lord. And I think Christians need to be reminded that. I wanted to do this on happiness because I think we need to be reminded just how big our God is. I wanted to sing those courses tonight because I think we just needed to have an uplifting song in our hearts uh, to know that God is still on the throne and he's still in control. And uh, we're, not, we're not overcome by the circumstances and problems in life. We're victorious in spite of them. And so we're happy in the Lord. The blessed man does not let the world consume his thoughts, his life, whatever, because he finds his happiness and his relationship with his God. Amen. Well, we need to pray tonight.